0: There was a study in America done, and it was a study on people and circumstances and how upbringing affected them, what effect it had on their lives and on their outcome and stuff like that. Anyone who's, uh, who's listened to the, to the news or has got an interest in education, things like that, you will know that there is a, a direct correlation that's a relationship between poverty or wealth and success at school, okay, that's just fact, it's not kind of statistics, okay, so they did this study in America, and they went into a prison, this guy, he was was doing the research, he was the head of the research, he went into a prison in America, he got permission, and he had permission to speak to one of the guys who was on death row. This was a a horrible, nasty guy. He'd murdered someone. He deserved to be on death row. And this guy was going in there to interview him. And basically, essentially, his question to him was this, how did you end up here? And the guy's response, who was on death row, his response went along these lines. He said, well, what do you expect? He said, my dad was an alcoholic. He used to beat my mum. He used to beat my brothers and my sisters. He used to beat me. What do you expect? I was always going to end up beating my own wife. I was always going to end up beating my own children. I was always going to end up committing suicide. And I was always, sorry, killing someone. And I was always going to end up here on death row. That was his response. And some of you in here tonight... You've had a a, a difficult upbringing, you've had a a tough time in life, there's maybe some situations in your childhood, and you're kind of looking at your life and you're saying, well, it's inevitable. Or maybe other people are saying to you, it's inevitable where you're going to end up and what you're going to end up doing with your life. Your past, your situation, your upbringing is going to Dictate your circumstances and what's going to happen and where your outcomes going to be. I, I like you. I, or like some of you, I had a difficult upbringing. We were chatting with some friends yesterday, we had some friends around, and it wasn't kind of planned, we just ended up, a question got asked and about my past and where it it come from, and, and I just started sharing, and, and sometimes when I talk about what happened when I was a, a child, it, it kind of shocks me, because it's a long time ago, and it's not something to think about very much, but my, my childhood was pretty chaotic, if I'm honest. My dad left when I was three, I've mentioned this before, never seen him since, he just went off and deserted us. He he moved us around the country and then he just left. He had an affair and we've never seen him since. Don't know to this day where he is, what he even looks like or anything like that. My mum remarried and we moved back up to the northwest. We were down south at the time. And my mum remarried and and I had a half-brother and then grew up in a a household that anyone dislikes school. Anyone in here dislikes school? Yeah, there's a few hands going up. Anyone hate going to school? Yeah? Yeah, there was a few people, a few hands going up, right? I actually liked going to school. Now that might sound like it's, I'm a geek and stuff like that. It's got nothing to do with being a geek. I liked going to school because I wasn't at home. I was away from home. Literally, it was, it was that bad. The argument, it, it, there was violence in the house. I can remember a number of occasions of my mum smashing plates and things like that. There was one occasion that I vividly remember, and she, she took a cup and launched it, and it went through the living room. The kitchen door was open at the time. I'm kind of laughing at it because it's a bit funny. It wasn't, it's not really in one respect. It bounced off the floor and went straight through the washing machine door. And smashed the washing machine. That's literally what happened one day at home. And uh, I mean, plates getting smashed and stuff like that. And, and, and arguments and stuff. But you know, the, here's the thing, right? The arguments weren't the worst thing. You would think the arguments would be the worst thing. The arguments weren't the worst thing. And the arguments were bad. There was one argument in particular when I, I, I've, I've shared this with Vicky. And, and I remember my dad, me and my brother, we must have only been, I would guess, maybe nine or ten at the time. And I remember coming downstairs, I, I, I can remember it vividly, you just sit at the top of the stairs, listening to the argument and what was going on, and you kind of got to know the pattern of it and how it would work. And I can remember coming down the stairs, and my mum and dad are just at it, hammer and tongue, hammer and tong, and my mum and my stepdad. And, and my dad gets this knife, He's got this kitchen knife. The blade on it is about this long. He goes and grabs this kitchen knife. And we stood there. Me, I've got a younger brother who's about five years younger than me. So he must have only been about four at the time, maybe five. And he takes this kitchen knife and he gets it like that. And he goes like that with this kitchen knife. And I'm stood there watching this, this event going on in front of me. and, And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, my dad is stabbing himself before my eyes he wasn't, he was Playing some kind of weird trick where he was pretending to do it it was actually going in between and then he pulled it out and the knife was kind of bent I don't know what he was thinking or what, what he thought that would achieve or, or whatever but this was, this was traumatic stuff this was horrible horrible stuff but that you would think that was the worst bit that wasn't the worst bit the worst bit was what, what, what the pattern was always it would start with a huge horrible massive argument and then he wouldn't speak to each other for a week or two weeks and that was the worst bit the, when, the, coming home to this horrible cold, oh, this horrible atmosphere. And so I, I eventually, I left home kind of, I, I tried and tried and tried and, and eventually left home. I was, I was only 17 when I left home and I just kind of couldn't go back there anymore. It was so horrible and the atmosphere and everything. So I left home at 17, and, and I went on from, from 16. By that point, I'd already started doing things that I shouldn't be doing. I'm, I'm aware there's some children in the, in the room, so I won't say too much. But I, I was doing some things that I shouldn't be doing, and, and my life was was really going downhill. And, and I could have been that guy on death row who stood there saying, well, what did you expect? Look at the childhood I had. And I've only scratched the surface in some respects of some of the stuff that went on and some of the stuff that happened. And I know that some of you in here this, t- this evening have got similar and worse experiences. Mine isn't the worst. Mine might sound bad. It always does when you're kind of relaying it, doesn't it? But there's worse than that. There's much worse experience than that, some people have had horrendous stuff far worse than I've gone through And so I could be stood here, and and my life started to go down that pattern. I I was gifted and talented at school, and and probably because it was better than being at home, and that probably caused me to get my head down, I don't know. But I was gifted and talented. I had a a, a potential to go to to Oxford or Cambridge, I was told, at one parent's evening as I was leaving school, and I didn't. I I left school, and and my life went downhill, kicked out of college, and it went downhill and worse and worse and worse, and there was some terrible stuff that, that happened to me and some terrible stuff that I did that, that was wrong and I should never have done. And, and, and my life went down that route. In the study, the guy, he, he interviewed a number of people. A true story, this. One of the other people he went to interview, this guy was living the American dream. He had the house. the massive. You know what they're like in America. We think we've got big houses over there. They have some huge houses. He's got this massive house. He's got cars on the drive, he's got the designer suits and he's looking the part, he, beautiful wife, beautiful family, business that's incredibly successful. And he goes and he interviews this guy and he says, so how, how have you ended up? How did you, how did, you know, what, how would you say you got here? And he said, well, what do you expect? He said, my dad was an alcoholic. He used to beat my mum. He used to beat my brothers and my sisters. He used to beat me. He used, to, he used to beat us all up, and this went on, and he got worse and worse and worse. What did you expect was going to happen with my life? I was always going to make a decision that that was not going to be my life, and my life was going to change, and my life was going to be something different. And have you figured it out yet? These two guys were brothers. These two guys were brothers. They grew up in the same house. One's living the dream, the other one's on death row. How? How is it? How do you end up in that situation? And how do you end up in that situation? What is the difference? What makes one person go and do that and another go and do that? And here's the thing, right? That People would say, oh man, it's inevitable that I'm going to do this. It's inevitable what's going to happen to me. And, and you might be saying that. You might have some circumstances in your life. You might be from a poor area. You might be from a poor family. You might have some, some, some difficulties with yourself that mean it's difficult for you to get on in life. You might be incredibly shy. You might find it really difficult to speak. You might look at me stood up here preaching in front of people and think I could never do anything like that. You might be saying, oh, you, but you don't understand, Barry, that the situations that I've got in my life it's inevitable. I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to do that. You might be saying to me, but Barry, I've got, I've got some health issues going on. Or you don't understand my my, my partner, my wife, my husband, whatever it is, they left me and they've gone and, or or they just, they they treat me badly and it's a really difficult environment and so I, you know, it's difficult for me, Barry, what do you expect? I'm always going to have to be like this, this is always going to be like my life, this is always going to be my lot. I don't think so. Anyone else? Anyone else? Come on. I don't think it does have to be. I don't think that does have to be your lot. I don't think that does have to be your experience in life. I don't think your past defines your experience in any way, shape, or form. You can use it. You can use your past to define your experience. You can use it as something to drive you on and to take you somewhere, to... to, to inspire you to greatness but the question is how how do you do it what is it that causes one person to take it and go and do something great with their life from something terrible and another person to go and and just go on a downward spiral my my mother-in-law amazing, amazing woman. We ended up talking about her yesterday. And, and here's the thing, you see, we can talk about childhood situations, but it's not always childhood situations, is it? My, my mother-in-law, I know she won't mind me sharing this. This is something that, that, that's been shared before. Her first child, it, she miscarried and, and she didn't have it. And she went on and adopted Now, that could have caused her to go, well, Barry, you know, I I just can't do this anymore. I can't face this anymore. That's my lot and I can't. But no, she went on adopted. She went on and had more children. She went on and fostered children. This, This lady has looked after more children than I could ever imagine. She's taken in and even now in her 80s. In her 80s, she is taking people into her home and, and looking after them when they're struggling. Her house, she's there to help people out. An incredible, inspiring lady. Her husband, he had the difficult situation. Apparently, his mum used to throw his toys in the fire. That's right, isn't it, Vicky? And he used to go and try and get them out again. I forgot that bit. And, and burn his fingers trying to get his toys out kind of cruelty isn't it mental cruelty how horrible is that and some of you in here are saying well you know I, my situation that's it i'm done with people and i know some people i've got i know some i won't say too much about them but i know some people no one in here and they, whenever we, we meet with them and we chat with them, the conversation always ends up on, on, on people in their past and, and, and how badly they've been treated. And it's just situation after situation after situation of people that have wronged them and that have treated them badly and how horrible this is. And that's, it's like a pattern and we kind of come away and, and I'm always sat there thinking, oh no, I, I hope one day you're not saying this about me. Because I know I'll let you down at some point. Because we all do, don't we? We let each other down, don't we? And the conversation always ends up on this. So it might not be a childhood thing. It could be experiences that you've had as an adult that you could be saying, well, this is my my stepfather. He lost his job. He was made redundant. And I can remember he got a big, big payout. And I can remember thinking, wow, that's great. You've got a great opportunity to go. And he'd always wanted to start this business. And I thought, you could go and start a business. You've got the, the finance now, the capital to go and do it. And he didn't. And that's his choice. They're not trying to criticize him for it. But another person takes that and goes and becomes a, uh, what's the guy from KFC, uh, uh, Colonel Mustard, Colonel Sanders, that's the one, yeah, Colonel Mustard's Ludo, Cluedo even, yeah, Cluedo, Ludo, Mustard, Sanders, but this guy goes on at 70, was he, I think he was at least 60, I might have got, this. it's certainly at least 60, late 50s. And this guy goes on and starts KFC in his roundabout being 60 years old, 60 to 70 years old. It had failure after failure after failure business-wise. And then he goes on and does that. He must have had incredible things that came against him and caused him to struggle. So what is it? How is it that one person turns it into something and another person doesn't? What is it that does it? What is it that changes it? Jeremiah 31, 29. Incredible verse, just a very short snippet. Unfortunately, it is completely my fault. We haven't got the scriptures up tonight because I didn't give them to the guys, so that's my fault, it was an error on my part, but I'll read them out to you, Jeremiah 31, 29, and this will be going up on the internet, so you can go back and get the scriptures on the, on the website if you require, Jeremiah 31, 29 says this, the people will no longer quote this proverb, the parents have eaten sour grapes, but their children's mouths pucker at the taste, in other words, what it's saying is that the parents... Their, their issues, their problems become the children's problems. And God's saying to Jeremiah, no, 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 no more, no more. That doesn't have to be the case anymore. No longer the case of sour grapes. Well, you couldn't, so I can't. We all know what sour grapes is, don't we? Do you reckon that's where the phrase sour grapes comes from? That verse in the Bible. No more sour grapes, God says. No more. No longer are we to be cursed by our previous experiences. It is now a choice. We have a choice. We don't have to let our past dictate our future. So how? How do we do it? How do you turn around circumstances and situations and, and, and make them? What is it that causes one person to do it and another not? And I, I want to I tell you what God's word says on this because here's the thing. You might look at lots of people in the world out there who aren't Christians and they go and turn their life around. There's plenty of them. Some people in the world have got more faith than some Christians, unfortunately. That's a sad indictment on Christians. Christians, isn't it? There's some people who aren't Christians that have got more faith in, than Christians have. Am I wrong? Come on. Come on. There's some people, there's some Christians that just complain and moan and, and, and all of that. But I, but I believe that that's because of lack of knowledge. And I believe that if we, you see, the Bible tells us this it is hearing that gives us that, what we need to go and do it. Hearing God's word, hearing the words of Christ that gives us that opportunity to go and do it. So I think we've got a duty as a church to put it out there, to to teach people what the word says and what we can do with our lives. And the word says some incredible, incredible stuff. Some incredible stuff. It's talking about faith. I'm talking about faith tonight. And I'm talking not about the faith that the world's got to go and take big steps. I'm on about true faith. Faith that knows. Faith that is completely and utterly certain of the outcome. Faith that cannot fail no matter what. Cannot fail no matter what. No matter what the situation. No matter what the circumstance. There's people in this room that know uh, I've got to share some testimony of this because it's it's great me getting up here and talking about great faith, but what if I've not done it myself? Listen, there's people in here that know that my, my life, I've just taken, from becoming a Christian, I've just taken steps of faith. That's, that's been it. Sometimes I've kind of, I've, I've felt like I need to be calmed down a little bit and maybe just calm it down and not be so good, no. But I just can't help it. Or just a word from God. Just say the word, Lord, and I'm gone. And I'll go and do it. Just say the word. Say the word. And I will go and do it. I will go and do it, whatever it is, say the word, Lord, and I'll go. Whether it's to go off to another country, whether it's to go and do something, give something up, take something away, you name it. I remember years ago, uh, um, we were were married, and I was working as a teacher, and I got offered a a, a job, or asked, wasn't really offered, because it wasn't the kind of thing you'd offer. Normally you offer nice things to people, don't you? This wasn't so much in some respects, because this job was like so badly paid, it was virtually a voluntary job. And, and so we're married, and, 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 and I was offered this job to go teaching in a, in a faith school, and, and I took it, I, I, I took it, and, and it was difficult, wasn't it? It was a huge step of faith, it was, because it didn't even cover the mortgage. Literally, this job didn't cover the mortgage. But as soon as God said, as soon as I knew, as soon as I was certain, this is God, there was no question. There was no question in doing it. Say the word, Lord, and I'm there say the word, Lord, and I'm there, and I'll go, and I'll do it. Whatever you ask, whatever you require, you say the word, Lord, I'm there, and I'm committed, and I will stick to it until you tell me otherwise. That, I believe, if you build your life on that principle on that principle alone, that, that you know when God's spoken to you and when he says that word to you and you know it is him, you are certain it is him and you follow that word without question, without doubt, and you go on and you do it and you stick to it until he says otherwise, you will be successful. Now let me add a little rider on this, a little kind of a, a note of, of caution, a note of wisdom if you like and that is this, God instituted the church because we kind of need each other and we need each other's wisdom, don't we? So I would say it is good to speak to someone that you trust that has great faith. You need to find someone that's got great faith and understands what it takes to step out in faith and take counsel. Don't just take foolish steps without thinking or without asking anyone else. You do need to, unless you've got a a real past experience of stepping out in faith and you've done things for God and he's he's, he's answered and you've seen him work and you know, then sometimes you just got to go and do it. That's fine. But if you've not got that experience, you're a young Christian, you've not been a Christian, take counsel. Come and speak. That's the point of the church. Don't just go and kind of quit your job or whatever on 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 some whim. You need to know what you're doing. You need to be sensible. Does that make sense? Just want to give a little bit of sensibility here. But what is faith? Faith. So many things. So many things. Do you know what faith is? It is the most powerful force on this planet. I think I need to say that again because I I, maybe, I, maybe I was saying it wrong. I'll try it I'll try a bit quieter. It is the most powerful force on this planet. Come on, come on. Faith is the most powerful force on this planet. Listen, uh, we could go and try and buy a bulldozer to knock this building down and not succeed. We could get it wrong. We could say, right, we we need to knock this whole site down and get a bulldozer and it could fail. Faith wouldn't. Faith wouldn't. Faith brought the temple down in three days. The temple. Come on. Faith can move mountains. Do you know any bulldozer that can move a mountain? Do you know any human being that can move a mountain? Jesus said, faith moves mountains. It is the most powerful force on this planet. More powerful than a nuclear weapon. Faith is the greatest power on this planet. Does anyone in here want to be powerful? Do you want to live a powerful life? If you have faith in your life, you will be powerful. You will have incredible power. I don't think we get this. I don't think we always understand this. I don't think we grasp how significant, how powerful this is. With faith, you can do anything literally anything. You can tear down a wall. Do you know what I want to do? Do you know what I want to do, right? I I've been thinking about this all week, how I can do it. I want to get some hot coals. You know when you get these burning coals, red hot, and I want to get them set up on the stage. If anyone's got an idea of how we could do this, I want to take my shoes off and I want to walk across it. Because if other people can do it, I can. Why not? Why can't we do that? You all look a, a bit shocked. <laughs> Come on. Come on. I want to do it. I want to do that as an act of faith. I want to do that to show that anything's possible. I mean, really, I don't think that's, in, that's particularly brilliant, to be quite honest with you. I just, I just want to do it as, an, as a demonstration, as, a, as something to make it memorable. But wow, we can do anything. We can do anything. Do we get this? Does anyone understand this? Literally anything. Faith is the most powerful force in the world. And with faith, you are powerful. Incredibly, incredibly powerful. Incredibly powerful. I want to talk more about this at the end as well. But I, I am going to talk about. You see, I could stand up here and I could preach all about faith. I'm going to. I'm going to preach all about faith in whatever time we've got left. I'm going to preach as much as I can about faith. But listen, faith without love, faith without love, is is it's this thing, isn't it? It's horrible. It's, it's horrible. It might be powerful. It'd be like our Adam sitting and just smashing away at the cymbals. It would sound powerful, wouldn't it? That would sound powerful, but it wouldn't sound melodic, would it? It wouldn't be something you'd come to listen to because it's cold. It's harsh on its own. But those cymbals, those drums played along with the melody, along with the voices, along with the heart, along with the words. And the meaning behind the words, what those words mean when they're being sung, who they're being sung to, that suddenly those drums are incredibly powerful. Suddenly they're right, aren't they? It's not power on its own, but it's power with love. It's power with love and faith with love. Faith with love is the most amazing thing. It's 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 perfection in some respects. Does any, is this, is, uh, can I get an amen? Anyone kind of with me? Anyone getting anything from this? Please, th- th- encourage me. Encourage me if you are. So what is faith? Is it just power? Because if it's just power, that's great to stand up here and, and say about how powerful faith is and, and what it's able to do and the incredible force of this thing. More forceful than a hurricane. Hurricane. Faith is, but if it's just power, what good is that? Because I could stand up here and preach about it and we can all be in awe and go, wow, that's amazing. Like watching, you know, an amazing football player do his skills and watch and you go, that's amazing, but I couldn't do that. If it was just powerful, then I wouldn't bother preaching about it. Because what good is that for us all just to stand in awe of it? That's not what God wants though. God wants us to use it. He wants us to harness it. He wants us to have great, great faith that we would do incredible, incredible things with our lives. Not just boring, meaningless lives, but that we would do incredible things no matter what your situation, whether you came from that horrible, horrendous situation or whether you came from a a really great situation. Here's the thing, wherever you came from, we've all had our challenges. But faith overcomes. So, what is it? What is faith? How do we harness it? How do we use it? How do we have it? The word tells us. The word tells us. James 2: Listen to this. Incredible what James says. He says this: He says, a great little analogy to explain one of the most important things about faith. Three elements of faith. I mean, there's so many I could talk about. The the first one is this. He said, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Come on. Let me say that again. He says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you've got great faith, Well, he just says faith, actually, but he means great faith, doesn't he? But you you don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Anyone? Can it save yourself? Can it help you in your situation? Can it help someone else in their situation? No. No one. No one. Listen to what he says. He says, suppose you see a brother or sister who's got no food or clothing, and you say... Goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. You look after yourself. You, you be good and you walk off. You don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. What he means is just talking about it. Just saying, oh, I've got great faith. I believe in God. He goes on to say a bit later, I'm not going to get to them, verses, even the de- demons believe in God. So <laughs> saying you believe in God, like that's, yeah, brilliant, fantastic. So does the devil. Come on, what good's that? What good is that? Believing in God is not enough. Believing in God is not enough. It's not enough. He says, <laughs> I love these verses. He says, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. Oh, yeah, well, they're, 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 they're a, a, I don't mean to diss, but this is the kind of thing that can be, or they're a prayer warrior, or they're, they're, they're a great believer. They believe and, and they've got great knowledge, but they don't do anything. Oh yeah, but they, but they believe and, and they do. They're the doers and they're the believers. And well, that's not what he says here. He says, someone may argue. And he's putting this in there because this is what we argue. This ain't me making this up. You know, you want to get at someone. It's not me. This is what the word says. He says, someone, someone may argue. Some people have faith. Others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Show me your faith I'll show you my works. Show me your faith, I'll show you my works. I'll show you my works, is what he's saying. You want to talk about faith and what great faith you've got. And James was able to say that, because he had the works. Show me your faith, I'll show you my works. That's what we need to be able to say to people when they say and they come and oh, I've got great faith, brilliant, what have you done? Oh, well, okay, there's your faith, here's my works. Here's what I've done. Here's what I've done. Here's what I've done with my life. Here's what I've achieved. Here's the outcome of my life. Here's what I have done for you, Lord. Here's my offering to you. And, and we, we all understand here, don't we? If you don't, we don't believe that we get to heaven by our works. That's not how we get to heaven. So, this isn't about getting to heaven. This is about because we're going to heaven. This is about, right, we're sorted. I'm going to heaven. Now, let's work while I'm here until I get there. This is about that. That's what I'm talking about here. Do we get that? You say you believe. You say you love. You say you're a leader. You say you're generous. You say you're strong you say you love the church, you say you want to see it grow, you say you want to see people saved, you say you want to do great things with your life. I say, show me your works. Show me your works. Show me your works. What, it might sound like a harsh word. What have you done? What have you done with your life? What's the fruit of your life? We talk, talk, talk about what we believe, what we believe, what we believe. I don't care what anyone believes. I want to know what they're doing. Talk's cheap. I want to know what you're doing, not what you believe, what you're doing. What's the fruit of your life? When the disciples went to Jesus and they said, Lord, Lord, how will we know? How will we know if they're really Christians? Jesus gave a really simple test. He said this, he said, by the fruit you will know them. You don't get purrs from an apple tree, do you? You don't get apples from a pear tree. If you get pears from it, it's a pear tree. Anyone heard the, kind of, the people talking about kind of, uh, fruit and all of that as evangelism? And they talk about kind of fruit that you know, it makes us a sinner. Listen, that, that doesn't make us a sinner. It doesn't make us a sinner because a pear tree, even if it's not producing pears, is still a pear tree, isn't it? It's just not produced the fruit yet. So you might be sat there thinking, hey, hold on, but I've not really done anything with my life. That's okay for now. <laughs> but not ongoing. Not ongoing. To never produce fruit is not good. It's not good. And, and, and can I give you, anyone want some homework? I used to be a teacher. Can I give some homework out? Can I do that? Would you do it? Would you make a note of it? Get your mobile phones out. Make a note of this. Go and read John 15. Right, I don't want to scare you, but go and read John 15 and read what Jesus, you say you're a Christian, go and read what Jesus said about bearing fruit. Read what he says, read about how much fruit, read read what he said about what he'll do with people who don't bear fruit. It's a bit frightening really, if I'm honest with you. But I'm doing it to inspire You say you want a job. You say you want friends. You say you want to be a good mum and a good dad. And you say you don't want to do the things that your parents did. Where's your works? What have you done? What have you done? What have you done? But all this is great. Me standing up here like I'm some great person and telling you and questioning, well, what have you done? What have you done? What have you done? How? Not what, how, innit? How are you going to do it? Anyone want to do something great with their life? Well, there's at least two. That's not bad, is it? I mean, Maybe I've got that wrong. I'll ask you again. Anyone want to do something great with their lives? Okay. You, you show me your words. Show me your faith. Stand up if you want to do something great with your life. That's a couple more. That's not bad, is it? I'm always going to get a bit of a response from doing that, I suppose, because you're going to be shamed if you sat there now, aren't you? At least it's woke everyone up. Take a seat if you want to do something great with your life. <laughs> Okay, in in the 23 seconds that I've got left, I'm going to tell you how we have great faith. Faith doesn't wait for proof. Doesn't wait. Faith doesn't wait for evidence. Faith doesn't wait for the money or for the finance. Faith doesn't wait for the qualifications. Faith doesn't wait for approval, although in some situations that's still sensible and right. <laughs> you can't just lead the kids' work in our church without approval, I'm sorry. Faith doesn't wait for others to go first or to lead the way. Come on. Faith acts. Faith acts. doesn't talk, doesn't boast doesn't go on about it, doesn't complain, it doesn't moan, it doesn't kind of weigh it all up and, and do a, 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 what do they call a, a thing, a SWOT analysis, or, and not that those things aren't, aren't good, anyone know, done a SWOT analysis, they can be great and they're all brilliant and all of that, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, doesn't do any of that stuff. Faith hears from God. And as soon as he says the word, it acts, it moves, it acts, it does something, it acts. It does something, it responds, it gets involved, it does something and it sticks to it. It doesn't stop until it gets it right. Faith might, it doesn't wait till it's qualified. Faith is not about competence. Faith is not about how qualified you are, what you've done with your life, how amazing. Don't come bringing me your CV, I don't give two hoots about your CV and your qualifications. I'm more interested about what you've done or what you're doing. Faith acts and responds and does. It gets involved. It doesn't wait. Can I give you the cycle of faith? If you, anyone writing this stuff down, you're going to love this. This is great. Write this down. This is, this is brilliant. I want to leave you with this. Here's the great thing about faith, okay? So faith acts. It does something. It starts with, an, well, it starts with hearing from God, and then it acts. And then the action. Sometimes the action doesn't always bear fruit because we kind of get it wrong. And and we act and it's not quite right. But that's okay. A, A great woman of faith years and years ago, she said this, she said, my husband always used to say, you can direct a moving boat. But if it's just stationary, how do you point it in the right direction? So if you're doing something, if you're active, then, then you can, God can use you and he can get you going the right way, even if you're in the wrong direction. But if you just sat there doing nothing, stagnant, Vicky put it as, as this morning. If you're stagnant, you're just a, a, a smell. Sounds horrible, doesn't it? Stagnant is a smell, isn't it? It's horrible stagnant. But if you're active, a stream, a river, they're refreshing. They speak of life. They, they, they speak of vitality. Faith acts. And then if it gets it wrong, it acts again. And it keeps acting. And it takes feedback. And it listens. And it's teachable. And it keeps act, acting until it bears good fruit. And then it produces fruit. And do you know what the fruit does? The fruit then produces more belief more belief In fact, let's keep it really simple faith acts it produces fruit which produces more faith which produces more actions which produces more fruit which produces more faith which produces more actions which produces more fruit which produces more faith which produces more actions can we say actions which produces more fruit can we say fruit Which produces more faith. Can we say faith? Which produces more actions. Which produces more fruit. Which produces more faith. Which produces more actions. Which produces more fruit. Which produces more faith. And on and on and on. Greater things, Jesus said, we will do than even he did. And this is the man who walked on water. Who fed the five thousand who conquered death who defeated the cross who defeated the grave he healed the sick the blind saw the lame walked and the dead were raised to life and the poor people had the good news preached to them he went round healing and preaching truth and life and he left an amazing legacy of fruit a legacy of faith. Show me your faith. I'll show you my works. Show me your works. I'll give you any job you want. <laughs> Come on. Come on, anyone up for that? Come on, let's stand then. Let's stand. Listen, I, I, I'm giving you the secrets of Power. There's people in the world that are desperate to have power. This is the secret of power, but it needs love. It needs love, otherwise it's just a clanging symbol. It needs love, and love is compassion. Love is warm, love is beautiful. Love draws people, power draws people, but power draws people and scares them. Love draws people and and it's just, it's warm and it's lovely and it's great and it it works. I want you to go away as as we go into a song now. I just want to end with this. What I want you to do is as as you go away. I'll move this. Do you you want this out of the way, mate? As, As you go away from this place, I want you to I want you to pray. I want you to ask God what he wants you to do I want you to ask him what he wants you to do what does he want you to do with your life what is it he may have already told you you may already know if you're doing it keep doing it keep doing it if you're not getting the results you want keep doing it keep keep refining it get help it's not it's not can you it's how can you I, here's the question to ask if you're already doing it what's the best way Keep going till you find the best way. Keep going. Pray, ask God. Keep coming to church. Keep doing the right thing. God will make you successful in the end. He will. He will direct you. He he directs the path of a righteous man. God directs the path of a righteous man. You cannot fail. Even if you've got it wrong and you've messed up spectacularly, God will get you on the right track in the end. He will do that. That is his promise. But if you're doing nothing at the moment, I want you to ask God. I want you to fervently pray and ask him, God, what is it you want me to do? What is it you want me to do, God? Ask him and then do it. Come and bring it to us maybe first. Particularly if you've never done this before and you've not got a track record of faith and steps of faith. Come and seek counsel from one of the leaders in the church. Come and talk to us and then go and do it. Then go and do it. Show me your faith. I'll show you my works. Anyone else want to be able to stand up here and say that? Come on. Show me your faith. I'll show you my works. Hallelujah bless you, have a fantastic week same time here again, 6 o'clock next week, 10.30 in the morning, over to you mate